ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. With that being said, open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from verses 26 and 27. And now was the time for us to shift. Shift in our posture, shift in our uh, intentionality and engagement because the Word of God is about to come forth. I want to encourage you to engage. Sit on the edge of your seat. Be ready. Amen the preacher. Reach out and declare the Word of the Lord because God is going to move. And I believe God is going to move right where you are. John 1. Verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I wanna preach this thought, thought that has been stirring in my heart this week. Reset for the shift, reset for the shift. You all know that this is the year of the shift for EC. If you don't, let me just recap for a brief moment. In 2019, I believe the Lord spoke very clearly to me and told me this 2020 would be the year of the shift. And I thought I had an idea of what that meant. But in typical God-like fashion, at least what he does with me, is he just gives me a drip or a drop, if you will. And now I'm beginning to appreciate perhaps the magnitude of the shift and what God is doing. And it's not just at EC, but it's the body of Christ as a whole. We also had Pastor Dan McLeod with us, which by the way, didn't he do a phenomenal job last week preaching the word of the Lord? But a couple of months ago, he was with us and he preached the word called paradigm shift. And that resonated greatly and affirmed some things for the Extraordinary Church family. Then the Lord spoke to me and told me to see the shift and seeing the shift. We preached about that a couple of weeks ago, and now we're resetting for the shift. And I'm going to explain this in just a moment. Now, we all enjoy resets. We all enjoy getaways. And I can remember uh, my, my wife and I, we didn't even have kids at this point in time. It was 2002, if I'm not mistaken. I was a corporate banker. Uh, no, no, no. I wasn't even a corporate banker. This time I was just on the retail side. And I had earned a trip uh, by the grace of God for us to go to Hawaii. And it was an all-expense-paid trip. We were so stoked to go on this trip. And so we were in Hawaii, uh, specifically the island of Maui. And we stayed on the Wailea side of this island. It was fabulous. If you've ever been to Hawaii, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been, it's probably on your bucket list. And I pray that you get an opportunity to go. We enjoyed it a great deal. Now we get there and we're staying at a fabulous resort, five-star resort. And I frankly didn't even know that it was a five-star until we were taking a helicopter tour. And the guy, uh, as we're flying around the island, he was like, oh, here, he's like, we're flying right now over the Grand Wailea Resort. He was like, that's where all the rich people stay. And we were like, well, praise God. We ain't rich, but we're going to declare it and receive it. <laughs> we had a great time 
And then they have this, they have, we had a great time that day and just that entire week, but they had something in particular called the Road to Hana. And the Road to Hana is like a rural experience of the Maui Island or the island Maui. And uh, we thought we're gonna do that. We rented a car and we were driving and do you know, uh, we didn't realize it, but I passed a really big sign evidently that said, stop, don't go beyond this point. And you know what I did? We went right beyond that point. And when I tell you we were traversing narrow switchbacks, it was uncomfortable and awkward to say the least. The roads are really narrow. You could look, I'm not making this up or exaggerating in any degree. You could just stick your head out the window and be like, oh, oh, snap. I can't even open my door. It was like we were moving so slowly. That's how concerned I was. Just one wrong turn, tire might be off the ledge, and then we're in trouble. I was getting very anxious, and I was thinking to myself, how can this happen in an island <laughs> on Maui? Surely we'll get to the end. And before you know it, one hour became two hours. Two hours became three hours. Three hours became four hours. Now I'm getting really concerned because I'm thinking to myself, we're losing fuel, obviously. The roads were narrow. We would see uh, just uh, rural signs. We saw no life whatsoever. We saw a ton of wild goats uh, and we saw a bunch of other wildlife, but there was nothing going on out there. And there was, frankly, I was starting to lose hope. Like, yo, we about to run out of gas. I remember one time I felt like I was being tortured because uh, we saw like this strip of asphalt and I thought, oh gosh, the hope that leapt within me. I thought we made it. We got back to, to road here. We could drive and do you, I, you know what? <laughs> that, that little bit of asphalt was like 15, 20 yards. And then we were back on dirt road. It was so oddly placed. Uh, I felt like we were being tortured. Obviously we made it. And once we got gas and all that stuff, I can remember um, going through the glove compartment and it said, whatever you do, do not take this vehicle on the road to Hana past this point. Obviously we didn't read the fine print in the rental brochure or agreement either. Here's what I know. That was like my wilderness experience. We've all had wilderness experiences. Perhaps yours wasn't as pleasant and you know, uh, if I, I, I mean in the literal sense, but figuratively, I too have been in wildernesses. But if you've ever been a trekker or you've been out on excursions, perhaps you've had something similar uh, happen to you. John the Baptist is an interesting guy. And I, I want you to think of this and what I'm about to share with you in the context or framework of a reset, because we all look for the reset buttons. If you are not a tech person, uh, and you know what? Your device starts acting up. What is the first thing you look to do? You look for the reset button. Why? You might not know the answers, but you know if you can just start over, if you can just start from scratch, yo, everything might be good. John the Baptist is an interesting dude because John the Baptist, he's preaching outside of the city that the Messiah, the coming Messiah uh, is here and that the Jews need to get ready. Everything about John screamed the wilderness, okay? My man was unkempt. He was ill-mannered. He was not savvy, uh, emotionally speaking, if you will. He was basically and spent a, high, a lot of time out in the wilderness. He wasn't worried about pleasing people, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit more here. Dude wore camel skin, and he ate bugs. 
So you knew John walked to the beat of a different drum. We're not just talking about unique eccentricities here. We're talking about a guy who did some, some things that were maybe off a little bit. He quickly chastised the crowd for their sin, and it made no difference who it was. It could be the religious leaders of the day. It could have been the tax collectors. It could have been Palestinian peasants. It made no difference. Nobody was spared from his message of repentance. But despite uh, his lack of fashion sense, if you will, despite his social uh, etiquette or the lack thereof, People followed him into a wilderness to be baptized. Wilderness living has been deeply entrenched into the history of the Israelites. Noah and his family were the only ones spared from the flood of total destruction. So when they stepped off the ark, they stepped into the wilderness of a brand new world. What a reset. Abraham, God told him, get up, go. I'm going to show you a place. He said, I'm going to bless you and bless everything that's connected to you. I'm going to curse everybody that curses you. They're going to know that I've made your name great, but I'm going to show you this land. In other words, Abraham had to leave home and follow him into, follow who the Lord, follow him into the wilderness. And then ultimately a home that he would show him. Moses, and I want to stay here for just a moment on the life of Moses, because you all know I love character studies. Moses is an interesting guy because he literally studied at Sun Temple, which was like the Oxford of that day. Moses is somebody who is a Hebrew by birth and origin, but he is raised in the home of Pharaoh. He's raised by the Egyptians. And Moses is, if Moses is throwing a party, everybody's like, yo, you going to Moses' party? Moses was down. Moses had tons of followers on IG, TikTok, you name it, okay? He is the dude. And then all of a sudden, he gets ahead of himself, if you will, and he, he intervenes on behalf of his people, and he finds himself running for his life. Uh, nobody is even thinking about Moses, and it's interesting. At one point, he was on everybody's list and was in everybody's sights. And now he's on nobody's radar as he's out there in the back of, uh, really in the backside of a desert, if you will. And this is interesting because Moses lives for 120 years. And Stephen, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, comprises his life into three installments, three 40-year installments. And those installments are like this. Moses is somebody for the first 40 years of his life. The second 40 years of his life, he is a nobody. The third 40 years of his life, Moses realizes that God can use a nobody. Now, this Moses, this Moses who has already been through a wilderness experience, has been called to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And what he ends up doing is leading them through a wilderness. You can read about it in Exodus 13, but I want to take a look at Deuteronomy 32 and 10. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple or pupil of his eye. Now, I want you to just kind of highlight that in your Bible app, or if you have your Bible out, I want you to highlight this, and I want you to hear me. As a matter of fact, we're going to leave this passage on the screen a little while longer because I want you to process what I'm about to share with you, because I hope to make this personal and applicable in a very intimate way. Let's look at this. 
Deuteronomy 32 and 10. The he of this verse is God, okay? And the him is a reference to the Jews. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, okay? You're going to place your name in the space of him, okay? That's what we're going to do. Now, check this out. God found, okay? God found you. God found me in a desert land, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. God encircled a keel. God instructed a keel. God kept a keel as the apple, the pupil of his eye. Okay? Don't ever forget, God is with you. God encircled you. God cared for you. And God guarded you as the pupil of his eye. Okay? The Lord who set you down in the desert land knows precisely what manner of a wilderness experience you need. He knows what you and I need in this setting. And I need you to hear me in the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to stick to my notes so I don't preach for 45 minutes because you all know I'm prone to do that. But here's what I want you to know. He is trying to eliminate or reduce or mitigate the distractions of life. He wants to silence those so that we'll be able to hear his voice. Your howling wilderness may look a lot different than my howling wilderness. God knows each of us intimately, and he knows the innermost being, innermost parts of our being. He understands what it will take to remove the crutches. He understands what it takes to quiet the noises in our life that prevent us from hearing his word and responding to his goodness, which calls us to repentance. He knows how to correctly and, and, and wisely oversee the school that he has enrolled us into in this wilderness process so that we can get everything that we need to get. And just by a side note, God is determined to get out of you what he put into you. He's determined to get out of me what he put into me. But can I tell you, when you're in the wilderness, isolation is always a part of a wilderness experience. Aren't we dealing with that right now? I know in some ways we may be connected digitally, but don't you feel isolated at times? Don't you feel connect, disconnected from others? Maybe we're together. I know we're alone together, but there's something about the wilderness that allows you or that forces you to deal with isolation. Never forget that. Once God gets you to where he wants you to be, Sometimes it can feel like, man, God, what's, what's good? Where are you at? Holla at your boy. Get at me, God. He, have you left me in this place? It goes back to what I was saying in Deuteronomy 32 and 10. No, 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 no. God has not left you. He is with you. He has encircled you. You are the apple of his eye. You are the pupil of his eye. But oftentimes what can happen is fear can set in and we say to ourselves, oh, God, I'm going to lose my gifts. I'm going to lose this opportunity. I'm going to lose my usefulness. I'm forgotten. God's left me behind. Time is running out. There's no tomorrow for me. What's going to happen in this relationship? What's going to happen because I've tasted the bitter drink of regret? Will I get another opportunity? Opportunities are passing me by left and right. I'll never get out of this place. See, that's what happened with the nation of Israel to a degree. They wandered in the wilderness. And they probably felt the same way. Moses in midlife, so far, so far away from the land, he thought he would never, ever see again, or so he thought. Certainly, 
this brought on these types of emotions for him as well. But before you give way and you uh, resign to feelings of abandonment, can I just tell you, I want you to take a more closer look at the passage that I shared with you, Deuteronomy 32 and 10. In the wilderness, in the howling wilderness, God does four things. If you happen to have your Bible open, I want you to make note of these, okay? Or put them in your smartphone app. If you're using your Extraordinary Church app, shameless plug, uh, you can be making notes there as well. But here's what I want you to hear. First, he encircles us. Praise God. (laughs) I want you to know that it may look like you're surrounded, but the reality of it is you're surrounded by him. Don't be fooled by the howling whispers of the wilderness. Don't be fooled by the howling of the enemy. God has got you and he has encircled you. You are surrounded by him. Somebody ought to give God praise for that. Praise God. Go ahead and open up your mouth and celebrate because God has you Two, It says it right in this verse. The second thing is he cares for us. God cares for you a great deal. Okay. And this is how I know he cares for you because he willingly robed himself in flesh, came for you and I laid down his life and rose again for you and I. While we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us because we were all born into sin. But here's how I know he cares for us as as well. It says in the latter part of uh, verse 10, he guards us as the pupil or the apple of his eye. (laughs) Now think about this for a moment. Do you realize that the pupil of your eye is the most protected part of your body? You won't let anything touch it. You'll you'll shield it with great care. We safeguard it from the sun. Even the lighting that we have in here, if I'm not careful, I I protect it. I protect my pupils, if you will. If the tiniest speck gets into my eye and gets close to my pupils, I'm doing everything I can to take care of that quickly. Can I tell you, in the wilderness, I need somebody to hear me. I need somebody to hear me. In the wilderness, you're the pupil of his eye. That's how God is caring for you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. God has not abandoned you. As a matter of fact, he's caring for you with great detail, with great sensitivity, with great awareness. We're going through COVID-19 and it is affecting the world. But here's what I need you to hear me. God is caring for his church in supernatural ways. You might have lost your job. God is caring for you. You might have lost a loved one during this time. God is comforting you. You might not know how you're going to make it tomorrow or the next day. God is with you. You need to just lift your hands and receive his word and his promise and thank him for his care because he's caring for you ever so delicately and sensitively. Can I also tell you that, you know what? He's caring for you more now than at any other time in your life. Let that thought encourage you. Let it find, let you find your hope in that today. And let's look at the next couple of verses. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him. The fourth thing he does, praise God, he guides us. Whether you have known it or not, or felt it or not, or even believed it or not, 
God has not taken his hand off of your life. God has not abandoned his church. He's with his people. You might have felt exposed. You might have felt like I'm in this wilderness. I'm telling you there is a purpose in this wilderness, and I'm going to reveal it to you in just a moment because God is pushing his people to the forefront for such a time as this. Can I tell you, we're being covered by his wings. I love the fact. Did you, know, did you catch that word there, alone, in verse 12? He alone is guiding you. Money is not guiding you. Mom, dad, brother, and sister aren't guiding you. The leadership team at your employer is not guiding you. The academia that you experienced or learned in school is not guiding you. God is guiding you. His spirit is guiding you. Can I tell you, he's here leading us and guiding us. And as a matter of fact, you might not know where you are, but he knows exactly where you are. You could be in a wilderness and he's got his hand on you. He's encircling you. He's caring for you. He's guiding you. And here's the thing. He's doing it all by himself. What better hands to be in, in this season than in the hands of a loving, caring God. I thought to myself, how interesting that God put Moses through 40 years in a desert, then had him turn around and lead the children of Israel for 40 more years, right back in the wilderness. The time he spent in Egypt was no holiday, but we're not going to even go there. Have you ever thought about that? Moses, a four-decade course study on the wilderness. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you what's happening. Oh, so excited to share this with you. I want you to just hear what Moses said, and then I'm going to try to bring this home. Listen to what Moses declares in Deuteronomy 8 and 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. Why does God lead us through the wilderness? <laughs> so he might humble us, that he might test us, and that the true condition of our heart might be revealed. See, you need to know, not that God might come to know you, he already does, but that you might come to know you. Say, I don't need to, God knows me, but I need to know myself better. And can I just tell you, this COVID-19 global pandemic that we are dealing with is revealing a lot about who we are. Boy, I'm telling you, you're finding out just how strong your marriage relationship is now if the two of you are still working from home. You're finding out just what your worship life is like when you have to worship all by yourself. And there's not 150, 200 people gathered around lifting up their voices with you. That day's going to come again and we're going to do it. And there's a greater day where we'll lift up our voices and the number cannot be numbered and we'll be blessing the King of Kings. But you find out what your prayer life is like when you got to pray all by yourself. You find out what it's like to lead and guide your kids and you have to be their teacher. You find out what you're made of. And you know what you have to do? You got to look in the mirror. We have to look in the mirror and let that, woo, that wilderness will reveal some things about you. How are you dealing with what the wilderness is revealing to you? Can I tell you, there's nothing like the wilderness to help you discover the real you. 
when you strip away all the trappings, when you, uh, when you get to a point where you're not worried about the fronting anymore and you're not trying to impress anybody and you ain't worried about the, the costumes and wearing the right shoes and having the right kicks and gear and blah, 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 blah. Because see, can I just keep it real for just a moment? John the Baptist wasn't worried about that. Because the wilderness had pruned him of all of that stuff. He wasn't worried about coming out in the right suit. And let me just hit y'all with this and say things just the right way. And I'm going to speak to the Pharisees a particular way, but I'm going to speak to the other, the tax collector another way. No, 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 no. Everybody got the business in love from John the Baptist. He had put away the pretenses, or I should say the wilderness had put away the pretenses. He wasn't worried about impressing people. And can I tell you, that's what the wilderness will do for you and I. You'll praise God and you, oh, I'm in this. You'll praise God and you won't worry about who's seeing you. You'll worship God and you won't worry about your neighbor hearing because you got the door open. You'll praise God right in the middle of doing the dishes. Why? Because the wilderness has pruned you of some stuff. The wilderness has purified you. And that's what God is trying to do in this season. We can hear it. The Lord, let me just say this. I haven't been talking a lot about this, but if you don't realize it, this is a preview of things to come. We're not going to be around him much longer. The Lord is getting ready to wrap this thing up. I'm telling you this. I feel this strong in my spirit. And now is the time for us to ready. Can I tell you, this experience has been a reset for the church. God never puts us through the blast of a furnace to ruin us. He does it to refine us. He's not, he's allowing us to go through this, not to destroy us, to humble us. He's allowing us to go through COVID-19 to show us our strengths, but to also show us our weaknesses. He's allowing us to go through this so that we can discover ourselves as never before. And in the midst of that howling wilderness, through the process of time, through the stinging sand bites, through the, through the, through the fight, through the cold nights, we become a usable tool in his hand. See, this is what's happening. Man, I'm in the Holy Ghost. God is using COVID-19 to prepare his people. You can always tell sometimes when you get around those folks who have been with him a little while, who've walked with him, and have walked with him specifically through a wilderness. You get around those mighty men of God, those mighty, powerful women of God. They're humble. They're gracious. They're genuine and loving. And you know what? took a wilderness to do it. The church, extraordinary church, we're going to come through this humble. We're going to come through this broken. We're going to come through this more dependent upon him. We're going to come through this genuine. We're going to come through this being gracious. We're going to have gratitude more than we've ever had it before. We're going to have love more than we've ever had it before for your families, for your children, for your spouse. Praise God. You know what? The wilderness. See, we've all looked at the wilderness the wrong way. And this is what the Lord told me. We've been looking at COVID-19 the wrong way. Whew, you know what COVID-19 is? It's a reset. <laughs> it's a reset for the shift. Man, I'm in the Holy Ghost. So can I tell you, life as you know it is over. A new thing has begun. You know, they've been telling you, oh, don't look, uh, forget about yesterday because going to the grocery store or traveling or interacting with your colleagues or neighbors to the degree that which we were comfortable to and we were very familiar with is gone. 
This is one of those pivotal times in our history where we're experiencing and writing history. It's one of those September 11th moments where people no longer travel to the same. We will no longer interact. Uh, the, the way that we do life will be different, greatly different. And the world is telling us this. The church, the spirit of God is telling us the same thing. Life as we know it is over. A new thing has begun. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. This is a new normal that the world has been proclaiming, but I'm here to encourage you because there is a new normal for the church as well. Get used to miracles. Get used to healing. Get used to lots of water baptisms. Get used to lots of spirit baptism. Get used to God using you in ways that you never imagined. Get used to God filling your your room, your house with his presence. Get used to nights where you travail and intercede. Get used to God using you in the spirit. Get used to it. Why? Because we are resetting for a new normal. John's message from the wilderness was clear. Repent. In other words, reset. Because the savior of the world is already among you. Woo, I wish you could hear me today. What an ominous yet cool thing to say. And can you imagine the effect it had upon the hearers? It was, hey, get ready, reset, repent, because he's here. Woo, the move of God that we've been praying for, the miraculous, the signs and wonders, it is here. Now is the time for you and I to reset. No doubt, these people are like, man, what is John talking about? Who are you, bro? Are you Elijah? Are you the Messiah? Are you some other super important person we should know about and be excited about? And here's what John says. He says, no, I'm just the guy in the wilderness pressing the reset button. And he made sure everybody knew it. You know what? God is pushing a reset button in my life, and he's challenging me to tell you all, you know what? Reset for the shift. Now is the time to push the reset button. You know what? John said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm, I'm so not the Messiah, I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. But it wouldn't be long before Jesus emerged from the crowd preaching a message that radically changed everything, calling people to leave everything and follow him on the path he would show. Can I tell you, it's not going to be long for he's going to emerge from the clouds, praise God, and he's going to call the faithful home. No, he did not end the Roman occupation the way that they assumed he would. But can I tell you, he did indeed make the path straight in the wilderness. And upon his arrival, the new thing, a new path had begun because the reset button had been pushed. Perhaps you need to push the reset button in your life. I read something that somebody shared with me via Facebook and I loved it and I thought it's a great way to conclude today. You might have read it yourself. Just It's a snapshot of our world today. Traffic is gone. Gas is affordable. Bills extended. Kids are at home with their families. Parents are home taking care of their children. Fast food replaced by home-cooked meals. Hectic schedules replaced by naps, rest, and relaxation. The air seems cleaner, the world quieter. People are conscious about hygiene and health. Money doesn't seem to make the world go round anymore. Doctors and nurses are being praised and recognized instead of athletes and celebrities. And now we have time finally to stop and to smell the roses.
You know what this is? This is a reset. Resetting for the shift. I want to encourage each of you right where you are. I want you to begin to just change your posture all the more and begin to pray and say, God, help me to be ready. Help me put the, push the reset button in my life. Push the reset button in my thinking. If I need to push a reset button in a relationship, push it, push it. Go ahead and make, go ahead and wipe the slate clean. Now is the time to do so. God, search my heart. Push the reset button there. Can I tell you, you might've been like John's disciples in Acts chapter 19. If you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, see, there is a baptism that is a baptism unto repentance. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. But you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus commanded. Luke 24, 45 through 48, you can read it. They, everybody in scripture was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, what a powerful reset you're about to experience. And let me just tell you, if you're not sure... You need to hit us up and you need to check us out because we can help you get baptized in Jesus name. God is drawing us and God is doing it in this hour. And I'm telling you, when we come back together, together again, which we will be able to do, I believe the church will be stronger. I believe the church will be larger because God's hand is reaching. God is going to use you and I. It's time for us to reset for the shift. Praise God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we honor you. We bless you. God, you're searching us. You're calling us. Now is the time for reset. You're resetting us, Lord God. And the wilderness, this dry place, this isolation, this COVID-19 experience, Lord, is facilitating or precipitating this reset. So many things are out of whack in our lives, God. And you know what we're doing? We're pushing the reset button. There's things right here, people that are watching, there's things that are out of alignment, oh Lord God, in their life. Could be finances, they're pushing the reset button. Could be emotional or spiritual health, they're pushing the reset button. Could be their mental health, they're pushing the reset button. God, as you lead us, you're purging us, you're pruning us, and we're submitting to your Lordship. I want you just to begin to submit to him. And as a matter of fact, I want you to let this bring you to a place of repentance. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.